Hello and welcome back to the You Thought Podcast. I am your host, Wyatt. If you like anything that you hear today, go ahead and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, along with following us on our Instagram and Twitter page. Before we move on, let me announce the uh, rest of our, uh, the hosts we have here. Lucas, Jared, Bart, and Aiden. Mm. And in typical You Thought Podcast fashion, we're going to go through some news that we missed. Derek Henry is potentially out for the season. He broke his foot or broke a bone on his foot. He did play the rest of that game. Uh, however, he did go. He went underneath the needle on Tuesday, and he's going to miss significant time. Bart, however, your prediction is still intact uh, of him not being a 2000 rusher, a leading rusher, you know, for this year. So he is yeah. still 350 yards or so ahead of the second place. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I, I hope you're happy, feeling, Bart. I have a feeling that he's yeah, going to be. Uh, He's gonna be like Russell Wilson, where he's or like Russell Wilson and Carson Wentz, where he's out for eight <laughs> weeks and he comes back in two or something like that. He's like, you know, I can come back. Yeah, the time weeks. frame yeah. for this injury is between two weeks and eight years. So yeah. we'll see. Oh. What, we'll see what happens. <laughs> on that. That's tough. <laughs> uh, Von Miller was traded for a 2022 second round and third round pick to the Rams. So now Rams have a handful of Hall of Famers on their defensive roster. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just a handful. Does this actually move the needle for anybody with the Rams? Does it make them any better? Is it? Does it make them more scary? To me, they already, like already kind of were scary. Yeah, I, was I really, okay. but it was working for them, though, wasn't it? No, yeah, no, it was working for them. Then he got hurt, didn't he? He also got yeah. Hurt. He, I want to say he tore his pec or something. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. um, but Jamin Winston officially got hurt. He tore his ACL and partially his MCL, possibly. Um, so Trevor Simeon had to end up finishing out that game. But we all know torn ACLs are out for the rest of the year. There is no weird <coughs> two-week time frame for that one. So. Yeah. yeah. My prediction about him being the MVP now. Yeah, if it wasn't before. Now out the window, too. If but. only he didn't. And then... That's about it as far as Nudie Myth. Henry Ruggs did get charged with a DUI and a fatal car crash today, which is not good. It added to the list of bad things that have happened and bad things that have happened to the Raiders, especially. Yeah. Yeah. But um, we're going to move on to some football stuff. We have a Thursday night football score predictions that we do every week. Uh, This week, Mike White leads the blazing hot New York Jets into the Colts uh, home and they're going to have to try to take down Carson Wentz. Mm. The mean green killing machine, New York Jets, have what it takes <laughs> to defeat the Colts. We, Bart, you lived uh, another day at the top of the throne, although we all got our predictions wrong. We all fall. You are going to go first. Bart, what's your score prediction? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think the Mike White train is going to keep rolling for super long, personally. <laughs> and also, the Colts did just almost upset the Titans, so I'm pretty high <clears> on the Colts now. I'm going 28-17. <laughs> Are the Colts oh. fifth now in your power is, rankings? Is that funny? Or sixth? <laughs> are they right behind? I'm just, no, no, if I'm anything, just the Titans showed how good they are because they won despite the Derrick Henry injury and him getting like 70 yards. So, you know what, Jared? You can take that sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> I get defensive. That's fine. It's perfect. Um, well, well, while Bart uh, might not be on the Mike White hype train, I am buying a ticket. I am... Hitching my go. wagon to it, and I'm picking the Jets 27-23. Um, wow. a, a pick motivated by a few things. Um, okay. Even though <laughs> that, even though the Colts almost beat the Titans this weekend, I, I don't think 
they're very good or as good as maybe that one game made them look. They have basically the same record as the Jets. They're three and five. The Jets are two and five. Half a game. They couldn't even have the same record if they tried at this point. Uh, Carson <laughs> Wentz continues to make mistakes that cost his team the game. He had two horrific <laughs> interceptions this past weekend. One, like getting sacked in the end zone, just throwing it to a guy, which I guess was better than taking a safety, but still, uh, because they, you know, the way you get the ball after safety, whatever, but still. And then the overtime thrower, he tried to force it in between three defenders. And we need a wide open guy, like right down the middle of the field. It's not looking good. Uh, I think Teddy Bruschi said on ESPN the other day, like you can always count on Carson Wentz to like make a mistake to win your t- the other team the game or something like that. And I think that's what's going to happen against the Jets. Um, it's also motivated by the fact that I don't love Carson Wentz. I think we're no strangers to that fact. Um, but I do want him to play well enough, meaning this is a close game for him to play 75% of snaps this year so the Eagles get the first round pick. Um, there was a writer in the Indy Star this past week um, who said that if the Colts lose like another game or two, they should bench Wentz just so that they don't have to give up their first round pick because um, it's going to be a bad pick at this point. So we'll see. But anyway, long story short, Mike White's great. Uh, Jets 27-23. <laughs> wow, Aiden. Yeah, I, I wish I could say that, Lucas. I really, I really do, but I can in good conscience. I, yeah, I, I know, I know. I'm, I'm a fake <laughs> fan, um, but no, I have 24 17 Colts. I'm honestly fairly high on the Colts at the moment, despite Carson Wentz, who yes, looked horrific at moments uh, during that game. But like, they're three and two over the past five weeks. Um, they you know, beat all the teams that you would beat as a you know, middle-of-the-pack NFL team. They beat the Texans by a lot, the 49ers and the Dolphins. And then their two losses were an OT against the Ravens and Titans. So two of the best teams in the AFC. Um, and, you know, the Mike White, we'll see. Maybe he works some more miracles. But the Jets' run defense is 29th in the league right now. Um, I think Jonathan Taylor is going to have a field day. Um, so I don't even think this will be up to Carson Wentz. You know what's kind of cute? Aiden, you picked the Eagles when nobody else did, and I'm probably going to pick the Jets when nobody else did. We got each other, yeah. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Aiden, did you give a score, by the way? I I did not listen. I was not listening. I did. 24-17 this time, Jared. Jared. Okay. He did say it. Okay. Aiden talked to you just spaced out. What? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) The Jets are an interesting team to me because I'm going to look through uh, some of their past weeks. They put up zero against the Broncos, and then the next week they put up 27 to beat the Titans. Um, They let the Patriots put up 54 on them, like a college football score. And then the week after that, they beat the Bengals. So if I'm going to follow this roller coaster along, they aren't going to win this week, and they're going to put up, or they're going to let the uh, Colts put up like 45. So I'm going to go final score, Colts win 30 to a Jets 20. Oh, that's a weird score. Okay. Could happen, though. <laughs> I do agree the Jets are a super weird team. The score of the Jets-Bengals game actually is super misleading. The Jets, like, own the Bengals. They outgained them by almost 200 yards. One time of possession by, like, I think, like, 10 minutes, something crazy. But it came down to turnovers, which kept kind of kept Cincy in it. They had three. And the Colts lead the league in takeaways. So, and despite Carson Wentz, I know he looked horrific last weekend. But he only had one interception before that game, which is really good for Carson Wentz standards. So I, I think 
Both of the Jets' wins have also come at home. This game's on the road for them, so there's no way I can pick the... The magic just is not there this week. I'm going Colts uh, 31-14. Maybe if it was at home, I would consider it, but yeah, you got to go Colts here, 31-14. We'll see. I, I kind of want the Jets to win just so that like it makes it a little bit more interesting on the leaderboard, our leaderboard, but... Yeah. <laughs> I I agree. Lucas is so Lucas would be on pace to to be T one at that point. Yeah, mm-hmm. the two of us would be yeah. tied. I think. Yeah, you guys would be tied. At I look forward two. to joining you at the top part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you woke up. Right? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, for me with the Jets, it's just one big question mark on what what team is going to show up: the 54 point team so or the uh, 27 point I, yeah. team? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But this isn't Zach Wilson's Jets, Wyatt, so maybe it's a little bit right. now. Okay. We <laughs> all know who the quarterback of the future is, okay? Exactly. After Which, by the yeah. do you do you actually believe that Mike White could possibly take over the starting role? No. Yeah, um, me either. But I think I mean, it's just a little... He might be better than Zach Wilson. I don't know. It's not like <laughs> Zach Wilson is impressed, but he, Wilson will definitely get it back. Um, I was telling Wyatt that... Uh, when I saw like M White in the the, the, <laughs> the the stat line, I was like, "This sounds like somebody I created in Madden or something." Like, <laughs> it was like the player. default name when you like yeah, one of those auto-generated <laughs> players. <laughs> yeah, number you know double zero. Mike uh, White. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he is a three-year veteran. Yeah, yeah. Anything is possible. <clears throat> so just an hour and a half ago, the college football rankings were released, and we have some thoughts about them. Uh, some teams were snubbed. Some teams weren't snubbed. The rankings read Georgia, <laughs> Alabama, uh, Michigan State, Oregon, followed with Ohio State and Cincy at six. And then the rest of the pack is is what it is. We want to focus on the top six right at the moment. Lucas, you have a lot of thoughts. What is your reaction to the college football playoff committee rankings? <laughs> Washington did it to free the United States from the British. Robespierre did it to abolish the French monarchy, and I'm going to start a revolution to free Cincinnati from the shackles of the group of five. This is ridiculous. I'm so like, overboard and angry about this. Um, to start, there's a, the top comment right now on RCFB's post about the ranking said it best. At this point, it's an invitational. It's not a playoff. I could legitimately see, based on the rankings tonight, um, that Alabama could lose close to Georgia in the SEC championship and get in with two losses over Cincinnati based on what happened here. The BCS was better than this. A bunch of sports writers just picking a national champion in like a smoke-filled room was better than this because in theory, <laughs> anybody could win. They picked BYU to be champion in like 1984. That would never happen today. Um, but these rankings, they're like an absolute travesty and show that the members of the playoff committee don't value results or anything like that. They only value like names and status. And... I mean, there's a lot of reasons for this. First, it's a group of people um, from essentially the Power Five that control this and have a vested interest in keeping the Power Five there. Let's let's look at who are the affiliate schools of the 13 committee members. Iowa, Power Five. Kentucky, Power Five. Arizona State, Power Five. Georgia State, not a Power Five. They gave you one there. Wyoming, also not Power Five. So we're at 3-2. Maybe it's seeming like it's going to be even, but no. NC State Power 5, Colorado Power 5, Nebraska Power 5, Kansas State Power 5, Penn State Power 5, Notre Dame essentially Power 5, Stanford Power 5. And there's also VCU, which is kind of fun um, and not even (laughs) an FBS school. (laughs) Uh, But it's still, so yeah, let's do the math on that. 
That's 10 power five, two group of five, and one FCS in the playoff committee. Now, I'm not a math whiz, but there are five group of five conferences and five power five conferences. So in theory, should it not be half and half? So they each not have equal representation in this thing, but they don't. No, this and is it's like the exactly... House, not the Senate. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's it's not fair. Like your teams or the teams you in theory represent are never going to have a seat at the table when two of them, when only two of them make up the whole committee of 13. And also just like the composition of this committee is kind of whack generally. Rod West is one of the 13 members of the committee. You know what he is? He's the president of the Entergy Corporation. I don't really know what that is. His only connection to football is that he was on Notre Dame's 1988 national championship team, which, like, thank you for your service for that, but I don't think that qualifies <laughs> you to, like, be on the committee. I Like, it just is, like, a random group of people vaguely associated with Power 5 schools who want to see the schools they represent someday have a shot. It's in somebody from Nebraska's best interest to have other Big Ten teams look good because then one day that could be Nebraska. But there aren't enough group of five people to ever give them a fair shot. Second, there's just like any hint of fairness, they'll lie to your face about you having a chance. They seem to like, you know, hint at it. They're like, oh, we do value some head-to-head matchups. Oregon's above Ohio State. Wisconsin's above Iowa. But then when you get down to the actual results, it doesn't really matter. Like when you're at the teams that really matter, they don't really care about head-to-head results. They don't care about losses or anything like that. I mean... We'll probably get to this later, but like eight and zero UTSA is unranked, and five and three Wisconsin and five and three Mississippi State are. That's so stupid. Alabama at number two is a travesty as well. <laughs> you know how many top ten wins they have? Zero. Cincinnati has one. Um, they have one more top twenty five win than Cincinnati. Sure, whatever. Which might be a tiebreaker in Alabama's favor if they didn't have a loss. But Alabama has lost. Why even play games if you do it based on the eye test? The eye test, as so many people have said on the internet, is just a code for we can do whatever we want. Um, even if you compare Cincinnati versus Ohio State and Oregon. So, uh, Oregon is 7-1 with one win against the top 10 team. Cincinnati, 8-0 with one win against the top 10 team. Who do you think would be higher? Well, you would assume uh, it would be Cincinnati, but it's not. Ohio State, 7-1, no wins against top 10 teams. One win against a top 25 team, which is Minnesota, who's not even that good of a top 25 team. I love them, but not even that good. They lost to Bowling Green when they were 31.5 point on um, Exactly. Sorry, had to throw that in there. And okay, but the the committee says Cincinnati struggled last week against Tulane and struggled the week before against uh, Navy. But Oregon literally lost to a 3-5 and five team. Like, I don't get that. They struggled oh, against a 3-5 and five team. Like, I think Oregon is better than Ohio State, and I think they should be ranked above them. But, like, they literally lost to a bad team. Whereas, But they fault Cincy for playing poor against them. Um, and they act like they respect Cincinnati, but they don't. Gary Barta, the guy who's in charge of it, is so, like, smug about this. He's like, he's like, oh, we respect Cincinnati. We put them at six. But, like, I don't even, I don't get it. Like, Cincinnati did everything they were asked to do. They scheduled multiple Power 5 opponents. They beat a top 10 team, and not just any top 10 team. They beat literally Notre Dame, who's the bluest of, like, all blue bloods. Mm. And they still don't get respect. Nicole Auerbach, um, who writes for The Athletic, who is my sister in this revolution that I'm staging said, and this is like so true. 
Last year, they said Cincinnati didn't play any Power 5 opponents. This year, Cincinnati played two and beat both. One of those wins is a top 10 win on the road. College Football Playoff Committee Chair Gary Barda said, quote, The win at Notre Dame was a really impressive win, but who else did they beat? They're just moving the goalposts over and over again, being like, okay, well, you beat a top 10 team, you beat Notre Dame, but it doesn't matter. Um, it's just like, it gets back to that whole big idea. It's from, there's a comedian named George Carlin. He has this famous bit about it. It's, it's one big club and you're not in it. And this is essentially another example of this. It's one big club, Cincinnati's not in it. And because they're not, no matter what they do, they're never getting in the playoff. And this just shows it again. It's really frustrating because I don't know what they even do at this point. Like, they've done literally everything asked. The only thing they can do is move conferences, but they can't do that until three, four, five years down the road. So what are you supposed to do in the meantime? I really just, I think this is the worst system for picking a college football champion we've maybe ever had. And I truly, truly believe that. I There's, it's just 100% sub, like subjective in a bad way like at least when in like 1984 like a bunch of writers from the ap could sit in a room and be like you know what let's pick byu as our national champion and they did that but now that's not even possible because there's such a vested interest in name brands they completely exclude all the smaller schools and there's no element of objectivity like at least in the bcs they throw in the computer <clears throat> rankings if you look at what the bcs rankings would have been this week it would have been i think uh it was george one cincy two oklahoma three Bama 4, and Michigan State 5, which is, like, not perfect, but it's way better than what we have now. So even if you just use the BCS formula to pick the playoff, that would be a huge improvement. But, the like, the playoff committee right now is a joke and makes a farce of, like, the sport and, like, <laughs> I don't know, the what's supposed to be, like, a meritocracy. Like, we love sports because it's, like, anybody can win, and if you win, you should be rewarded for that. But they're not. And, like, college, I, like, I think college football is, like, in serious danger of, like, losing some legitimacy as a sport if it continues to do that. Because, like, if you're Cincinnati, why even play the game at this point? You can't win. Yeah, I, uh, I I I will come to bat for Cincinnati as well a little bit. I've not been a Group of Five advocate in the past, but I wish... The problem is ESPN is the one that does the rankings and they host a playoff, so they're not able to really be that critical of it and, like, question the legitimacy of the playoff. I wish they would let, like, Reese Davis actually be a reporter and, like, grill the committee chair like a a real reporter would do like the, this is the worst statement I heard the entire night was you alluded to this already is he asked since he asked about Cincinnati, who else did they beat? Oh wait, who, who else did Ohio state beat? Let me check my notes. They have, they have a win against Rutgers. What? They have a win against Tulsa, Akron, Maryland, Indiana, Bowling Green and Penn state who is still somehow ranked or no, they're not ranked anymore. Actually they're ranked in the AP, but not in the college football. So they, yeah, they have no win. Uh, Minnesota, they basically snuck that in there to make some way to justify Ohio State being ranked up there, in my opinion. <laughs> and, and, and it's funny because how can you honestly, the, the rankings just don't make any sense. How can you honestly rank Notre Dame at 10 and then still have Cincinnati at 6? It like the, mm-hmm. uh, the wins just don't even matter. This committee has different rules for every team, right? And they're just setting it up so that one a one-loss Big Ten team is guaranteed to make it in now. With Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State all being in the top ten, Minnesota somehow making it in, Wisconsin somehow making it in, like it's it's kind of it's kind of ridiculous. I think they're also setting it up so that Oklahoma can make it in without a loss as well. I think with Baylor and Oklahoma being up there too, those are a lot more fairer, a lot more, <laughs> a lot more fairer than the the other rankings uh, of the Big Ten like cellar dwellers. But that's okay and. Yeah, SMU notably isn't ranked, so that Cincinnati has no shot at having another ranked win. 
Like they they are completely gaming the system in that way. And yeah, like they just make the 11 through 25 rankings in a way to justify their top six and like how they have it mm-hmm. basically. Like there's some, I don't want to speak too long on it, but there's some whack rankings in the 11 through 25. Actually, I am going to speak about that. <laughs> how the hell up. is Mississippi State at 17 right now? <laughs> I, I, I literally laughed no out sense. loud when I looked, at, I looked up Mississippi State's schedule and I was like, are you kidding me? Their loss includes Memphis, who is four and four, and one and three in the American. I'm sorry, that's terrible. LSU is four and four, and then they have a four. This is their. This is probably their feather in the cap. A forty point loss to Bama at home. They kept it within forty, so good for them. But hey, I, Bama has a ranked win now, you know, so it's <laughs> it's fine. Mississippi State. Um, I think Mike Leach is is pretty funny and like uh, a fun coach to watch, but like, there's no way they should be in the, anywhere near the top twenty five right now. That's terrible. Yeah. They're 29th in the AP, just for like comparison's <laughs> sake. Like there's no way like the collective the collective like sports writers of America are like that far off on yeah. this. You know, like it's it's just like truly truly ridiculous. I like it makes me just really frustrated to watch. And I mean like, you know, it it, it would be one thing if like we're debating Oregon versus Ohio State, which I think is like a legitimate argument. Um, I want to get into that later too. Yeah, we'll get into that too. But I mean, like, that's like a legitimate argument to have about, like, you know, like, how does improvement throughout the year matter? Yada, yada, yada. But this is like, you're literally just choosing to exclude teams because you don't like them. They, they pull, I saw a tweet too that was like the, the most watched games of this past week. Um, Cincinnati ranked like 48th in watchers. But if you look at the teams that are in the top four, they're all in like the top 10 in viewership this week. And like, yeah. that sounds like dumb and conspiracy theory-ish. But like, I think that like, at the end of the day, like, it's about name, brand, and recognition and making it an invitational above all else. Yeah. Speaking of the top games this weekend, they're massively overrating Michigan State. Like, how does Michigan State have a better resume than Notre Dame? I don't get it. They've played no one They besides Michigan, and they had a really good game against Michigan. But it was at home, and Cincinnati went into Notre Dame and won in a more convincing fashion. I think it's just as good a win. Uh, yeah. Notre Dame's above Michigan in the AP poll. And if you look at their schedules besides that, there's, like, Michigan State has not beat anyone. Um, they've had some, like, really close games against Indiana and Nebraska and whatnot. Cincinnati had no trouble with um, Indiana. Like, just does not make sense. Here's a okay. This is one thing I did want to speak on. Actually, Wyatt, go ahead. Uh, that's okay. I'm gonna move the conver- conversation just a little bit forward anyway. Uh, I think that this is the time of the year when they make the rankings uh, more interesting for some of the the end of the year um, Big Ten champion, SEC champion. Is there any mm-hmm. confidence that Alabama and Georgia will work themselves out? Michigan State and Ohio State will somehow you know work themselves out with them both being top five teams. Do you believe that that will fix a lot of this, or no. do you think that Alabama still finds a way to fit in the top four, and Cincinnati has no way of making it up to the top four? Yeah, I think it, in the same vein, ranking all those teams so highly means like, oh, they're they're leaving a, a shot for both two teams in a conference to make it in. Like, yeah. I think one of the guys, I think Kirk Herbstreit was like, Alabama might get in with two losses. I was like, are you kidding me? That's ridiculous. One of the one of the analysts yeah. did. It might not have been Kirk, mm-hmm. but. I don't know. That, that's what the, it kind of feels like that's what they're setting it up for. Obviously, it will take care of itself, I think. if um, I think that there's no way the committee actually puts a two-loss team, two team in 
with uh, undefeated teams still left. I'm not so sure about that. I, if that, no, that two-loss team that. hails from Tuscaloosa <laughs> and wears some nice red jerseys there's and no is Nick Saban as their head coach and no, has no won a lot on the national... I, the way they've I, set this no. up, if it's about best and they only lose to the number one team by like three points... Yeah. They're going to say, Mm-mm. well, you would expect the number two team to barely lose to the number one team. So they're still the number yeah. two team. Yeah, I'm convinced that's why but I think that... So that they have room to slide and still be in four if they lose. Yeah. Yeah. But the committee, yeah. I think the committee views themselves as a legitimate power. Yeah. And that that would completely take away any legitimacy if that happened. It's already gone. You know, yeah. they have, they have, but they have, <laughs> yeah. case, they have their own cases still. Like they can figure it out in their mind, like some, do some mental gymnastics right now. There's no mental gymnastics you can do to have a two-loss team in an over-undefeated teams. They they barely beat an awful Florida team. Like Florida's really bad this year, and they yeah, barely beat them. Like I don't know streaky. how you can. They're streaky. I don't know how you can just like. How can you say the number one team in the country beat Florida? What was the final score? Did somebody have it offhand from the, this weekend? Thirty-four to seven. Oh, yeah. And then the number two team in the country played that same team. And do you know what the score of that game was? Anybody remember? Yeah. Yes, exactly. So I don't know how you can say that like those teams are so close to each other when like that common opponent is just like there's such a disparity in result. <sighs> yeah. Well, okay, wait. The, the one argument to that is that football is not that black and white where it's, mm-hmm. you know, one team team A beats team C, mm-hmm. so team B must beat team C by more but by just as much or more sometimes matchups work out differently but jared you go ahead with what you're gonna say no good that's a good segue speaking of like black and white results i'm glad they put oregon in front of ohio state i was really worried that they were gonna put ohio state in front of oregon i was gonna come in kind of heated yeah i'm not like an oregon apologist at all Mm -hmm. i I generally don't really like oregon at all i am a pac-12 apologist but people so most people that argue like ohio state should be ahead of oregon because the season doesn't end at week two or whatever and there's a reason why every other ranking system has Ohio State over Oregon. And they never explain what the reason is. The real reason is because the committee has different rules for different teams and name brand is going to win out there. Like I said, Ohio State has no good wins right now. They somehow have a ranked win over Minnesota. Penn State was not a good win. Penn State sucks now. They lost to Illinois, Wyatt, in nine overtimes when they scored 18 points or whatever they scored. (laughs) That was terrible. Anyway, we apply it. We apply like so much subjectivity to determine is Ohio State better than Oregon, and I was yes. worried they were going to completely disregard the one objective measure we have <laughs> on which team was better, and luckily they didn't. Um, so here's another thing that people say is Oregon got their butts handed to them by a bad Stanford team. First off, they had, their leading rusher got hurt in that game, and it was an overtime game where Oregon outgained Stanford by 60 yards. So they didn't get their butts handed to them. Secondly, people are going to say, okay, well, they lost to a five-loss Stanford team. Here are some other here are some other losses of other one loss teams that made the playoff. The Ohio State in twenty fourteen lost to a seven and six Virginia Tech team by fourteen points and still made it in. Twenty fifteen sixteen Michigan State lost to a seven loss Nebraska team. Oklahoma that year lost to a seven loss Texas team. Like the list really the worst one, Clemson lost to an eight loss Syracuse team in twenty seventeen and still made it in. Like the committee a loss matters if you're not a name brand, but not if you're if you're another name brand, it doesn't actually matter. So, I don't want to hear anything about the they lost to a five loss Stanford team because teams overcome yeah. that all the time. Yeah, no, I mean I, I think do, that's yeah. totally fair. I, I do think know. though there's yeah. something to be said though for like Ohio State has not had trouble since that game with like kind of the like bottom slash middle dwelling Big Ten teams. 
Yeah. They've like pretty much destroyed them. Oregon has had trouble no, with right. them, right? Just compare the like, losses. Um, you know, we lost to the number three ranked team. In the <laughs> Come on, team don't even do that. Lost. They, they, they struggled <laughs> against a five-loss Stanford team. So. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Like, can I can I throw in some, some Wake Forest talk here too? Sure. Uh, it, yeah, I, 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 I saw, oh, okay. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> no, no, no. I if you I, I saw shout out to the good people at Reddit College Football again. I saw another comment that was like. If you just like put Clemson's name over Wake Forest's resume this year, Clemson would be like the number two or three team, and like they're not just because they're less of a name brand. And I, I, I think that like maybe there's an opening for them to make it into the top four, but I think it's a pretty slim opening at this point. Well, I mean, we'll see how that goes, but I just want to, well, you know, make a little note about Wake Forest. Say that you know, if they were Clemson, they would be like two or three right now with the same resume, and just we'll talk about that as the weeks develop if they keep winning. Yeah, no, I agree. I I would say if you're if you're like a Cincinnati, I was thinking about this. I would have been felt more strongly about this if Ohio State was in front of Oregon. But I always like the playoffs to stay at four. Obviously, I think if people that have listened to this show for a long time probably know that because I like that the regular season matters. But it, it, when the committee does rankings like that, where they have Cincinnati at six and Alabama at two. Then I have no problem expanding the playoffs to 128 teams at this point. The, the regular season doesn't matter at that point. Exactly. You know? So. Yeah, I mean, like with these rankings, like they've essentially made the regular season useless unless you're really bad. You it's know? a, it's like, a beauty yeah. show. The regular season is beauty show. Mm-hmm. I saw another a Reddit college football Twitter Twitter thing uh, where Ryan Day Ryan Day was like, uh, "We're not we're not going in these wins trying to go for style points. That's not how it works." And the committee was like, actually, that's exactly how it works. And that, <laughs> yeah. that is kind of how it is. Uh-huh. Maybe we should just do a guillotine style where it's a, it's a tournament from the get-go. If you lose, you're out. And then we just keep moving until every team has finished somehow, some way undefeated. That would literally be a more fair way than exists right now. Would this not be one of the best top eight tournaments or playoffs that we could have had with yes. from Georgia to Oregon or Oklahoma done it mm-hmm. at eight? Yeah, absolutely. if we did if we did eight teams this year, you mean? Yeah, yeah, it would be perfect. Yeah, yeah, eight yeah. teams this year. I yeah, think it'd be the best. Yeah, maybe do ten to get Notre Dame in there, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they can give Alabama the right number. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, keep moving the goalposts every week. Notre Dame loses next week, drops to twenty-three. You know, we should go twenty-three. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's, that's that makes sense. Yeah, poor San Diego State. Um, final question: Is there a scenario where she sees Cincinnati finding its way in? Yeah, no, so, they, so yeah. no, there is a scenario. Georgia has to win out. Oklahoma loses. A Big Ten team is guaranteed in at this point. Yep. Um, and then I guess Oregon would have to lose. I think they could potentially still get in with Oregon and the Big Ten team winning. Yeah. <clears throat> they would need Wake Forest. They would depends. need Wake. Wake Forest would also need to get out of the way too. So they they would need a loss. I legitimately don't think so. Like what can? Because it's all about like best and resume to them. And what can Cincinnati add to their resume at this point? Yeah, but they, they, the other teams can any, lose a lot. They don't care. They literally don't care. I think if this week proves anything, it doesn't matter. Like, it legitimately does not matter. They can't add anything at this point. And Reese Davis, for, like, one of his few actually good journalistic questions on this, asked this of the committee. He's like, has Cincinnati, like, hit their ceiling? Because it seems like you're saying they have at this point. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Gary Barda was like, well, we don't think about ceilings. We go, like, week to week and look at things. And, like, I like... But if they're going week to week and looking at things, Cincinnati doesn't play another ranked team because you said they don't play any more ranked teams. Even though the AP poll has both Houston and SMU on there, like you're setting up a scenario 
where they can't get in no matter what. Yeah. At this point. I don't think the committee watches group of five games, to be honest. There was like, I think like four teams or something, maybe even more that are ranked in the AP that aren't ranked in the uh, playoff. And they're all like group of five teams. Yeah. Ask them what UTSA stands for. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, you referred to them as USTA at one point. Like you mixed the letters up or something. I don't know. I can't confirm Good. that, but I saw somebody say. It. Yeah. Apparently, he said they they got a lot of talk in the room UTSA, but they decided not to include them. <laughs> okay. That's great. Just a farce. Like uh, like it's just like stupid. <laughs> like uh, no, nothing matters. Why even Wisconsin, play any game? You know it's. I know. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like I've said this before. We might as well just like copy and paste the recruiting rankings every year into the playoff. It'd be just like is equally fair of a system at this point. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Texas is up at the time. They need some consideration. Mm -hmm. So before before we move on past the college football playoffs, I'm just gonna give the floor for us to make some bold predictions on what we think that the top four might be. Uh, I'll start. I think Ohio State beats Michigan and Michigan State pretty handedly. They find their way in the top four. Georgia beats Alabama by 14, so they fall out to five. Uh, Oregon loses again to another unranked opponent, and Cincinnati moves up to five. So I think it's going to be Georgia, Ohio State, because, you know, I love my Ohio State. Uh, Actually, let's move Cincinnati and Oklahoma. So Wake Forest loses in there, too. Or does Wake Forest, in your situation, does Wake Forest go undefeated and miss out? (laughs) Yes. Wow. Wait, do you think I, I'm not convinced that Wake Forest would leapfrog Cincinnati? They literally wouldn't have a win against a ranked opponent, right? Looking yeah, at their schedule now. Yeah, like, nope, I know, the committee will yeah. find a way. They'll all yeah, of a sudden yeah, rank like you're, pit you're like tenth. Right. But it's not like <laughs> Wake Forest is a land either. It's not like they're like trying to get Wake Forest yeah. in there to get all See, that's the, a, you know, big yeah. Wake Forest money. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here, here's my bold prediction: Oregon loses this week to Washington. Wow. There's been a lot of trash Ooh. talk in that rivalry. Honestly. I saw somebody say this, and I, I think I agree that my one Aiden's freshman year roommate, he, he was an Oregon Ducks fan, and he hates Washington more than any other Pac-12 team. So I, that rivalry is more heated, I think, than the Apple Cup and the Oregon-Oregon State rivalry. They really hate each other, Washington and Oregon. Washington's been talking a bunch of crap. Uh, about they're talking to crap about like how they're not even competing and recruiting against Oregon, and Oregon is like eighth in the entire country. Washington is eighth in the Pac-12, so I don't really know what they're talking about when they're saying they're not. Re- anyway, I'm I'm booking I'm booking that Washington beats Oregon this week. Jared, I'm gonna, I'm gonna also give a this weekend prediction. Purdue is gonna continue its streak of taking down overrated Big Ten teams and beat Michigan State at home this weekend. Ooh, I like oh it. God. Book it. Can I? Can I book a very conditional pick too? No, I think no, it can't be conditional. Oh, okay. If I'm gonna do it anyway, okay. if Georgia beats Alabama um, by fewer than seven points, and they neither of them lose for the rest of the season, a two-loss Alabama will make the college football playoff over Cincinnati. No. Yes. I'm, I'm There's doing the opposite. No... I'm booking. The opposite. Okay. If Alabama has two losses. In any fashion, best not Jared, best not most deserving. That's the line. Best <laughs> not most deserving. Okay. There's never been a two-loss team in before. It. Correct. Nope. But if it were, if it would be anybody, it would be Alabama. It would be it Alabama. Would be. I mean, Alabama has, has had two losses. Uh, whatever. 
uh, and miss in the in past. So hold on, we'll see. Yeah. So let's be honest here. Yeah. Let's maybe they maybe they're onto something. <laughs> um, so we're gonna stick with some college football, and we're gonna hand out some midseason awards. And we're gonna judge it objectively. It's gonna be most deserving, not best, with when we do the, our awards. We're gonna start with Coach of the Year, Jared. Who has your award for Coach of the Year? Okay, so the, there's the obvious ones that I'm not gonna say, but like definitely should be considered: Mel Tucker at Michigan State and Dave Clawson at Wake Forest. I'm gonna go Dave Aranda though over at Baylor. He so this is he inherited a, an 11 and three team from Matt Rule in the pandemic year. Proceeded to go two and seven with that team. So terrible start, really rocky start, and it really could have just like started that program's downhill slide. But now he's got them at seven and one, seven and one. Who knows how long he's going to be there? By the way, with with I'm sure there's going to be calls for him to go to LSU. But they got the second best offense in the conference in terms of yards per game, only barely behind Oklahoma. Top ten rushing offense in the entire nation, and then they're going to have a chance to prove that they might be better than Oklahoma in um, and win the back, win the Big Twelve. Um, potentially as well. So I'm going to say Dave Aranda is going to be my midseason coach of the year award, but my watch out for this guy. I can't put him as my midseason guy, but maybe the final season is Brian Harson over to Auburn. Watch out for him. Depending on how this season finishes, <laughs> they've gotten some breaks. Obviously they lost to Penn state and Georgia and they got a break kind of in the old miss game. Cause their quarterback got hurt, but I'm, I'm rooting for him. He's a Boise state guy that, that goes to Auburn, which I think was, determined to be the worst job in college football in terms of how much pressure there is there. So I'm rooting for him for sure. Lucas, what do you I, think? You alluded to him earlier and I'm just going to pick an obvious layup one here. And I think it's Mel Tucker. Uh, when he took over Michigan state was a shell of the version of itself. It had been when it made the playoff back in 2015, they had two seven and six records in backtrack years and no sign of going up, especially when last year they went two and five, but the team is, I think very, very good this year. We'll see, you know, once they get through the meat of the schedule, how good they are. But at the very least, they're good enough this year to have been number three in the first college football playoff rankings. Um, I think it, you can attribute a lot of that to the culture he's established there. We're going to talk a lot about Michigan State, I think, as these go on. So I'll leave it there for the time being. That's fair. I wouldn't have picked Michigan State. I would have picked Ryan Day. But moving on, we're going to go with uh, our midseason Heisman Award. Bart, who do you have for the Heisman so far? Lucas was prophetic here. We are going to keep it rolling. Uh, I'm a sucker for running backs, winning Heisman's, and not quarterbacks. I'd want to hear about Matt Coral or Bryce Young. Recency bias also was playing into this, but I'm going to say Kenneth Walker, the third. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> if you just like look at his stats, it's, which one? Listen, it's important. His, his dad could have been confused. And he's, he's first in yards per game, second in total yards, tied for third in touchdowns. And I looked at running backs who have 100 or more carries this season. He's fifth in yards per carry. So he's just, like, all around. He's been amazing. Their quarterback is Peyton Thorne. I don't – like, he's not anything <laughs> special. He's not actually – his numbers aren't bad this year. But that's, like, you know, not an elite prospect by any means. And then you always talk about Heisman moments in his game against Michigan. Obviously, this past weekend was the definitive, like, textbook Heisman moment. Five touchdowns and, like, 200 yards almost. Craziness. So, yeah, I'm happy to say that he's my pick right now. Um, Aiden, what about you? Yeah, that's fair. Kenneth, yeah, I would not be unhappy if Kenneth Walker won it by any means. Um, I'm going to go for, um, I think the star of this season has been the Georgia defense, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Historically Absolutely. good, allowing 6.6 points per game, which Cincinnati is second at 15.3 points per game. Like, that's an absurd difference. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and again, we're going most deserving. So I'm saying Jordan Davis front and center uh, on the D line. The mm-hmm. defense averages 4.1 yards per play when he's off the field, 2.7 when he's on it. Um, we don't live in a progressive enough world for Jordan Davis to win the highest. It's, it's like individual stats aren't eye popping. Twenty tackles, two sacks, three tackles for loss. Um, you know, the only other defensive Heisman was Charles, or primary defender who won the Heisman was Charles Woodson, right? Um, he had you know flashy interceptions to his name. So I don't think Jordan Davis is going to get it. I just feel like there's not a good quarterback candidate. Um, I think Kenneth Walker is deserving, um, but. What's defined this season has been Georgia's defense so far. Um, and so I, I, if there was ever a season that a defender deserved it, I feel like it's this one. Yeah, it's going to be a tough sell with Jordan Davis because uh, zero rushing yards mm-hmm. compared to Kenneth Walker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is true. Yeah, yeah, exactly. like the, <laughs> the classic Finesse Sewell hasn't caught any touchdowns right. this year. So <laughs> yeah. Chase was still has to catch a touchdown. So. No, yeah, I think Davis is going to have a very strong case for like a top five pick in the draft. That's what people are saying yeah. at least. So. For sure. Yeah, that's, he's crazy. Yeah. Zero versus 1,100. Tough. Yeah. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We're going to give us the Cinderella Award, a.k.a. the biggest surprise of this year award, and you can't announce the college football playoff committee, Jared. Uh, Jared, who is your pick for the Cinderella Award? I talk about this team all the time. It's the University of Texas at San Antonio. (laughs) Just kidding. I don't talk about these people all the time. It's the UTSA Roadrunners, uh, potentially the best team in Texas right now. They're currently undefeated. Their mascot is a Roadrunner, which I think is pretty awesome. This is only their 10th year of existence as well. And they're under their second-year head coach, Jeff Trailer, who might get them their first bowl win in school history this year. They've been to two but lost both. They've already tied their season high in wins um, ever at eight. And, I mean, they might mess around and start stealing recruits from A&M in Texas if they're not careful. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, UTSA Roadrunners for sure. Lucas? It's going to be crazy when UTSA's first bowl win is the national championship game. <laughs> national semifinal when they go 13 and 0. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a moment. turns around and just sends the offer Texas to UTSA. Yeah, extends it to UTSA. Yeah. yeah. That's a great choice. I consider them strongly, but I chose Wake Forest. Um, I think, along with the Michigan State, they're probably the most high profile picks this year. Um, and I really would love to see them sneak into the playoff, um, especially since he loses for some reason. Um, they came into the season predicted to finish fifth in the ACC Coastal out of seven in the ACC preseason media poll, and they currently sit at 8-0 with a clear path to win the ACC. Dave Clawson's an elite coach and has the team doing crazy things. The offense especially is good. They haven't sco- scored fewer than 35 points in a game this year. They put up 45 against Duke. They put up 70 against Army, 40 against Syracuse, 37 against UVA. 35 against FSU, and then they put up crazy numbers against FCS schools, but I didn't feel like mentioning those. But yeah, they haven't scored fewer than 35 points again this year, which is elite. They've been a pleasant surprise, and yeah, I hope they get a playoff berth. Fingers crossed for them, uh, for both of you guys here. (laughs) I'm naming this next award the Goliath Award for David and Goliath. Um, The biggest downer award. Aiden, who do you got? Well, there are a lot of ACC teams that can take this mantle. Uh, but I'm, I'm going. I'm going with UNC specifically. I feel like UNC was probably ranked too high to start the year anyway. At I think number ten. Uh, but last year they were pretty good. They're eight and four in year two uh, of Mac Brown. They beat three ranked teams in the regular season. Their offense had a ton of firepower. Um, though they lost some guys to the draft last year, they still like 
they were now two, you know, Mac Brown recruiting classes in the, the number 13 class last year, number 14 class this year. Um, and they just flailed out entirely. They lost their opener to Virginia Tech. They got blown out by a weak Georgia Tech team. They're currently four and four. Um, Sam Howell's been fine, uh, but his, his draft stock has definitely dropped a bit. Um, the defense is just absolutely horrendous. They're giving up 31 points a game. Um, so I feel like I, I didn't pick Clemson because, like, UNC, I feel like it's been building up to these kind of years, or they've been hyped up as, like, this is going to be the time, whereas Clemson was going to be coming down off of, you know, Trevor Lawrence to some degree. Um, and <clears throat> UNC, it's just they're not there yet, clearly, um, and they've regressed for sure. But, yeah, Bart, who you got? Uh, well, I was prepared for you to take Clemson, so I'll talk about Clemson. I think they're they're a clear <laughs> clear candidate here. Um, if you look at their recruiting classes, I think LSU was another team I wanted to mention here. Um, I think they have a valid uh, case. But yeah, if you look at Clemson's recruiting classes for the past three years, they're seventh, tenth, and third. So there's no excuse for Dabo. He loses Trevor Lawrence, and look at him. He's he's a nobody. Uh, obviously, they they were hyped coming into the season. They were they were third in the preseason poll. Um, but like, I think the offense specifically is what I need to highlight here. Um, DJ Uyangalale, or however you say his name, has been Uyangale, awful. say it right. <laughs> uh, DJ Ugaluga has been awful. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Five touchdowns to six picks, terrible. And it's really shocking considering how well he played when he came in for Trevor Lawrence in um, like the previous seasons. Uh, I don't know if anybody has a good explanation of what would happen there. Travis Etienne left, and they don't have a single super competent running back. They don't, they don't have anybody averaging more than 50 yards a game. Uh, and all of this is while their defense right now, their defense is third in points scored uh, among all teams in the country, and their offense is still terrible, and they're still 5-3 and three with some bad losses and some like very narrow wins. So, yeah, I think Clemson is just like a super huge question mark, and people should be wondering what, what's like Dabo doing right now because this is very uncharacteristic for them. They haven't had more than two losses since... 2014, I think it was. So, very odd. It's crazy. I'm glad you mentioned them, Bart, because there are some people specifically on this podcast who tried to convince me that DJ was uh, dangerous, you know, when I was talking about them against Ohio State. Uh, we are going to hand out a my favorite award now. It's brand new. Uh, we're going to call it the Blue Collar Team of the Week Award. We are the, you know, leading... Uh, talking heads on blue collar teams right now so it's, it's more than right that we announce the award and, and hand out to one of the teams for this week so lucas you're gonna have the honors who is our blue collar team of the week well thank you wyatt um i figured due to all of our debates over blue collars on this podcast um it would be only right to have a blue collar team of the week so i'd like to thank my fellow blue collar advocate wyatt for this segment having finally seen the light of day um but i'm gonna pick and i alluded to them earlier um, Michigan State. Uh, Michigan State gets the award this week. They showed grit. They showed determination. They showed humility to overcome a 16-point deficit against Michigan. Mel Tucker, stud of a coach, absolute blue-collar legend, who often compares his team to boxers. What's more blue-collar than that? But I think it's a good comparison. They take some hits. Um, they have better endurance. And when it comes to the end, they're the ones left standing. I think this team um, is really, really good. Being down 16 and then scoring two straight touchdowns and converting both two-point conversions, pretty cool, pretty blue-collar. Blue and Kenneth Walker, really good. So Runs with power, <laughs> grit, unstoppable, <laughs> has five touchdowns. Scoring five touchdowns, what's, what's more blue-collar than that? So for all those reasons, um, Michigan State is a blue-collar team of the week. 
and let them along with me and Wyatt let all of our collars all stay as blue as possible. <laughs> Lucas, I was a little worried about your blue your blue collar calibrator because you tried to tell me Chicago is a blue collar city. I thought you might say UCLA here. Not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> you can't tell me Michigan's not a blue collar state though. No, it definitely is. Oh, but, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's, but University of Michigan, not blue collar to me. No, no. Michigan, Michigan State, State Michigan, is. Michigan, yes, yeah. uh huh. I agree. University I definitely Michigan, see Michigan no. as blue collar. But the, but... No, yeah. no. Michigan's the elite. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the one percent. No. <laughs> yeah, Michigan State, the ugly uh, stepsister to Michigan, <laughs> the ugly oh, duckling in the Michigan family. Mm-hmm. Well, what an honor! Big round of applause to Michigan State for winning that big award. We're going to move on to some NBA talk, and we're going to specifically talk about the new foul call rule that happened in this offseason. So players, offensive players, are not able to draw the same fouls that they have been. We all know that. Uh, Draymond Green loves it. James Harden does not. He's not exactly the same player. And do the Nets need James Harden to play at a top five level to have any shot at the playoffs? Bart, I'm going to ask you, is there any concern for the Nets championship aspirations this year? There absolutely is. I was saying the same mm-hmm. thing last time I was asked about the Nets, and my thoughts have not changed. They're 4-3 and three right now. It's looking a little bit ugly. Firstly, I just wanted to highlight Harden's numbers here to really drive home how much this rule change has affected him. He's averaging his fewest free throw attempts per game since 2010, his second season. Fewest points per game since 2011. He's shooting 398, the only time in his career he's ever shot below 40%. And he has a turnover percentage of 21.9%, the highest of his career. So basically his whole game style has been completely flipped on his head and he has not been able to adjust so far. Do I think that he will adjust? Yes. But so far he's been terrible and I think it might be a slow process for him. You have to bear in mind that the NBA kind of just changed this rule like in one offseason and they just went from 0 to 100. I think a lot of players are struggling. We've seen that the NBA's numbers across the board uh, like offensively are like really low for recent years. Um, so yeah, anyways. Yeah, I think the Nets are, are going to be worried though if Harden isn't playing properly. I mean, you, you look at like with all due respect to the other players, Durant, though, can't carry on his own. Like, Joe Harris, Blake Griffin, Marcus Aldridge, Paul Millsap, all those dudes, they're, like, big names, but Durant needs more help. If you look back to the Bucks series last year mm-hmm. when Harden was hobbled and Irving went out for part of it, Durant played, like, 48 minutes and 53 minutes in two of the last three games, and he was just absolutely gassed, and you could tell. And then the reporters asked him about it afterwards, and he was like, yeah, if we'd made it to the finals, I would not have been able to keep that up. And so that's kind of like what they would be on track for, I think, in these playoffs if Harden is still sucking and if Irving is obviously still out, which I'm assuming he will be. So, yeah, I, I think the Nets might try to make some moves, but I don't think that they have like that clear number two if, if Harden isn't playing well, and they definitely need one, I would say. Yeah, well, James Harden has been playing like that for the better half of a decade now at this point in his entire career in Houston he has gone with getting to his entire game is getting to the free throw line and you can see it and we I know this is an audio podcast I have no clips to show anybody but you can see it two dribble drive past somebody slow down and then scoop the arm underneath that's his entire game so he's trying to draw the foul and I'm glad they're not giving him the fouls because I can't blame James Harden for exploiting the game there if you can find a way around the rules the same way he found a way to do like a six step step back three, you know, <laughs> if he can do that, that's great. 
but good on the game for adjusting because it's not fun to watch players play the way James Harden has been playing for the better half of a decade. I don't like watching him try to scoop underneath. Uh, Kevin Durant used to have this move where he would catch the ball and he would just swing his arms through the defender's hands really quickly and he would draw a foul every single time. And they removed that from the game a long time ago. So um, you see it adjust. You see it more fun. Kevin Durant has never been more fun to watch. And the concern with the Nets is this. When you trade for James Harden and you trade away Karis LeVert and Spencer Didwitty and you get rid of all of the guys who made the first Nets team, the D'Angelo Russell Nets team, so attractive, when you trade them all away, you're banking on top-heavy talent. Kyrie Irving obviously has no intention of coming back to basketball anytime soon. He says he's not getting vaccinated. Um, you know, he is the Martin Luther King of this generation uh, as, far, as far as he thinks so. <laughs> And James Harden is not playing well. They have no shot when you're a top-heavy team, no shot of making it any farther than they did last year, second round, without James Harden playing at a top-five level. It's hilarious to me because Harden was clearly the player that the NBA was going after with this rule change. Like he was like the <laughs> yeah, face of absolutely. the way that style of play, and he just got wrecked by it. It's terrible. <laughs> Yeah, he is. And he's the only person that we've talked about so far because uh, <laughs> it's called the James Harden rule. But Trey Young and Steph Curry were also very famous for drawing fouls in those type of ways. And they kind of, they don't really. We I don't think I've heard a single person talk about any of those two so far on TV or, or the radio. Well, Trey Young, Trey Young had a funny quote where he was like, well, like, I try to drive and, you know, because I'm such a smaller guy, like, you know, they're whacking me and I'm having a hard time with it. It's like, well, yeah, that's like, <laughs> I think it's the idea of basketball. That you're six foot zero and you're driving against big men. You're not supposed right, to find exactly. it easy. You know what they were going for. I think so. I think his numbers have been a little bit down as well. Steph's also are down, but uh, not as drastically. Yeah, but they're undefeated, I'm pretty sure, so far. They five might be. One. They're five and one. Excuse me. Yeah. Five and one. I just most of my, my most of my uh, record knowledge. Unfortunately, I can't watch every single game of sports <laughs> between college football, NFL, and the NBA. Yeah, there's uh, way too many sports on right now. I'm yeah, sorry, so it's so I gotta, hard to keep up. Gotta admit, I, I do not watch every single game. But <laughs> Formula One too. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Formula One, curling, <laughs> golf. <laughs> all that kind of stuff Let landscaping yeah big <laughs> landscaping <laughs> uh, one little thing random, oh, random sorry, NBA thing sorry Bart random little NBA thing the Bulls when I watch the Bulls <laughs> they remind me of the old Brooklyn Nets from the D'Angelo Russell area where they just they play hard and they're having a lot of fun and they're having a lot of success I think that they're going to be one of those teams that they finish I don't know four uh, mm-hmm. in, the West, in the East and you know, have an exciting first round matchup against the Sixers or something, whatever, you know. The Knicks of last the Knicks. year kind of thing. Yeah, Knicks, yeah, yeah, exactly. They're the like Knicks of last year. Yeah. Six and one right now. That's crazy. Pretty good. DeMar DeRozan is having a resurgence, apparently. Mm-hmm. And LaMelo. Mm-hmm. Bart, what were you going to say about sports? Oh, I was just going to pat, you know, an anonymous person on the back because the Braves are winning right now, and I don't want to jinx anything, but somebody uh, predicted a 4-2 victory for the Braves in the series, and uh, that might just happen tonight, so, you know, it's pretty cool. Well, they, 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 hit a grand slam and, yeah. they hit a grand slam in the first inning of their last game and still lost, so we'll Okay, see. well, were they winning, is it 6-0 right now in the middle of the fifth last game? <laughs> I have no idea. I did not watch it. Some member of the Astros staff is Most frantically right. running out to center field right now, trying to find a spot to place the camera. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The they'll, they'll come back. Yeah. 
Yeah, there really is a lot of sports. I didn't even think about baseball going on right now. <laughs> you did it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Okay, well, that'll, that'll wrap it up for today. Thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, uh, follow us on social medias. We love to hear from you and hear about how good or bad some of our takes were. We've had some of our uh, favorite fan quotes from social media interactions, so please keep them coming. And as always, we'll, we'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening.